Hey everyone, how's it going? This is Azrin the Language Nerd here. I'm the owner of the Calgary Language Nerds, and welcome to today's podcast episode. Today I would like to talk about two separate things. The first one has to do with language learning, and the second one is more personal. The language learning topic for today is I would like to give you my top six pieces of advice for learning another language. I share a lot of content about language learning, and I give a lot of advice about language learning, And so I thought it'd be helpful for you guys today if I created a short and simple list of some of my top pieces of advice for learning another language. In the second half of the podcast episode, I would like to share some of the major changes I have undergone in my personal and professional life over the past six months. If you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, really, if you've listened to more than just three or four episodes, let's say, recently, you know that I have been going through a lot of personal and professional changes. I've learned a lot over the past six months. I'm not the same person I used to be. And there have been some lessons I've learned that I thought I can share with you. And maybe you can pull something away from that and implement it in your personal life or in your professional life. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. We'll start with my six pieces of advice, my top six pieces of advice for language learners. Tip number one, this is the most important thing. Well, I'm not sure if it's the most important, but boy, is it important. You have to choose one of three different pathways to learn a language. You either have to do a choose your own adventure, you have to do the fiction novel approach, or you have to mix and, or you have to do a mix of the two. I've never used these terms before, so let me explain these. Option one is choose your own adventure. So if you've, if, you've, if you've read those Choose Your Own Adventure books, maybe you can see where this is going. A Choose Your Own Adventure book is a book where it will outline a piece of the story, and then it'll say, go to page 12 if you want, to, if you want the character to do this, and go to page 14 if you want the character to do this instead. And so you get to read this book and choose your own adventure, and you get to have control over how the character ends up at the end of the story. So you can learn a language that way too. You can learn your language in a choose your own adventure style of way, where you custom build your own language learning, your own language learning method. So maybe you like to use this YouTube channel for listening, this app for grammar, you have this tutor for conversation practice, you do journaling to improve your your, uh, writing ability, and you, you essentially create a custom program that works for you. So that's one potential way for you to learn another language. You can also do what I call the fiction novel approach. So what is a fiction novel approach? Well, let's think of fiction novels, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, whatever it is. You pick up a book and there's a set story. There's a storyline that you're going to follow through that book. There's ups and there's downs. There's scary parts, there's exciting parts, there are love triangles and love stories in there, there's fights, there's battles, there's everything in that book, okay? And you're going to read that book and ride that roller coaster. But it's one book, it's one story. You have no real control on how that story unfolds. Well, you can learn a language that way too. You could, for example, sign up for a class, and that is a form of a that is comparable to a fiction novel. The class is structured in a certain way. You're going to follow that structure 
and that's how you're going to learn the language. Now, just like with fiction books, you have different chapters in a book. You even have different novels in one series. So in the Harry Potter series, we have seven different books. So you finish book one, you go to book two, you go to book three, so on and so forth. When you're learning a language, you might also progress through different quote-unquote novels. Maybe novel number one was you signing up for six months of group classes. But then that, that book is finished now. You've done your six months and you've decided, well, I'm done that. I'm not getting out of my group classes what I used to get before. I'm not learning as much as I used to. What does book number two look like? What is book number two? And then you find another structure. And maybe you sign up for private classes. Maybe you travel abroad. Maybe you attend uh, conversation meetups on meetup.com. Whatever it is for you. But again, it's a structure that's been predefined in a sense. When you take a class, there's a predefined structure. So if you're not going to choose your own adventure, in other words, you custom build your own learning method, you could do the fiction novel approach, which is you pick a structure, in other words, a book, like a fiction novel, and there's ups and downs in the book, and just like there's going to be ups and downs in your language learning journey, but you're following a structure that someone else has already built. I do a lot of that. I, I do quite a bit of that personally. Now, option three is to do some kind of a mixed method, where you do a little bit of choose your own adventure, where you're doing you're studying in a way that's personalized to you, and you're doing a little bit of structure. So I actually probably fall more into that third category. So a great example would be in the fall, it, actually, no, I'm sorry, in the winter, I'm going to be, I've already signed up for a Mandarin class that's three times a week. And it's offered at the university here in my city, in Calgary. So that's very structured. I'm going to follow whatever curriculum the teacher has decided. But at the same time, I'm going to do casual practice with my friends. I teach these free beginner Mandarin classes as a way for me to continue improving on my level. Because the classes are free and they're drop-in, I get all sorts of different people that attend. And they ask me all sorts of questions. And that really stretches me. So that's beneficial. And that's a very personalized choose-your-own-adventure style of learning that works for me. And so I do a bit of a mix. I do structures, external structures, such as classes. I do a little bit of, per and I do a little bit of personalized methods that really just work for me as an individual. So I do some choose-your-own-adventure and some fiction novel. So that's tip number one. You've got to pick some kind of a pathway. Tip number two is... I want you to get lots of comprehensible input. Now, what is comprehensible input? Comprehensible input is listening and reading content in the target language that is slightly above your current level. So not too hard and not too easy. And ideally, it should be something that is at a bare minimum, mildly interesting. It should not bore you to death. It should be at least mildly interesting, if not very interesting. So lots of comprehensible input. It'll be great for your vocabulary, excellent for listening comprehension, reading comprehension. You'll get lots of real-life examples of how certain grammar structures are used, which makes it much easier for you to use those grammar structures when you communicate. So it's amazing. It's a key part of learning another language. And I think a lot of people don't have that comprehensible input piece, or at least they don't have enough of it. So that's incredibly important. Tip number three, you've got to be consistent. It's cliche, 
but you've got to be consistent with your language learning, as consistent as you can be. There's nothing wrong with taking breaks, but you need to push yourself a little bit. Try to be as consistent as you're able to be. It's key for learning really anything. Tip number four, make it a priority. Make language learning a priority. If it is not a priority in your life, you are not going to learn the language. Simple as that. But if you make it a priority, you decide, yeah, this is something that is very important to me. Well, that's going to, that's going to, how do I say this? It's going to make you practice more and study more and, and do more listening and writing and reading and so on and so forth. Tip number six is related to tip number, I'm sorry, tip number, no, tip number five, which is related to tip number four, is you, it is highly recommended that you give yourself a concrete reason to learn the language. I had a great conversation about this with someone you may actually know if you're a Spanish learner. His name is uh, Jordan. He's the Spanish dude on YouTube. We had a great conversation just the other day. And uh, it turns out we follow each other, which I didn't know and he didn't know. So we just hopped on a Zoom just to chat a little bit. And we had a, he, this is a great point he brought up. If you don't have a concrete reason why you're learning the language, you are very likely not going to reach a, even a conversational level in that language. And he put a stress on concrete because you could have a wishy-washy reason for learning a language. I want to travel. I think it's cool. I have always kind of wanted to learn. Oh, it might be good for my job. These are wishy-washy. Concrete is, oh, I'm going to Mexico in six months. Oh, uh, I actually have a job interview. Or, or I'm sorry, I'm going to be applying probably starting next year to get a job in blah, blah, blah language. Or, oh my God, I started dating this girl and she speaks Russian <laughs> or whatever language. These are some more concrete reasons. It doesn't have to be a high pressure situation. It doesn't have to be, ah, I have to learn for this job that starts in three months because that might be too much pressure but something a little bit concrete. So for me, when I was learning Mandarin, which I still am, but way more casually nowadays, I had a friend group here in Calgary that I used to speak with. And that friend group, they were only here for a one-year visa. They weren't from Calgary. And now they're back in their home countries. And uh, I don't practice as much as I used to because I had a friendly environment. I had these friends. I wanted to practice with them. We had fun. And it gave me a concrete reason. These are real people that I could see, touch, hang out with in real life. So it's a concrete reason. And when you give yourself concrete reasons to learn, it makes it a bigger priority automatically and it will expedite how quickly you learn. And a lot of people I come across, especially because I run like a language tutoring, a language teaching business, a lot of people, they come to the classes and they don't have anything concrete in their life as to why they should be learning that language and they learn a lot slower for that reason. So if you can find something that's concrete, a real good reason to learn, that's that doesn't put too much pressure on you and makes you just crumble under the pressure, that's perfect and it's going to help you learn a lot faster. And tip number, whatever number we're at, six or seven, whatever number, I forget now. You either have to be, be patient when you're learning, or if you're not going to be patient, you have to study very intensively. So I'll give you a little sneak peek on something I'm working on in my business. 
I'm pretty sure we're going to launch this as a program, but I'm I'm almost there. I'm still working out a few kinks and a few details to see if I want to. But one of the things I'm going to be potentially launching is a highly intensive program that lasts about three to three to six months. That's highly intensive. And I can look someone in the eye and say, hey, look, give me six months of your time and you're going to reach your desired level of proficiency. The person will have maybe an hour or two hours of class every day. They're going to have homework. It's going to be intensive for six months or four months or let's say three to six months. It will be intensive, but they're going to reach that desired level of proficiency quickly. And so either you have to be patient and run the marathon, or you have to study very intensively and rapidly with that intensive and smart and strategic studying, get yourself to a very, very to whatever level of fluency you're trying to reach. Now, there's a little asterisk, a little caveat. If you're trying to reach a very high level of proficiency, then you have then even if you study intensively, you're still going to have to be patient. You can't reach a near native level of proficiency, for example, in a three-month window. That's just not going to happen. So the final tip here for on the language learning side of this podcast, you have to be patient or study very intensively. And with an asterisk, if you're trying to reach a high degree of fluency, you'll have to be patient even if you study intensively. So those are some of the big, the top tips I have for today for today on learning another language. I hope that's really helpful for you. And with that, I want to transition over to the personal and professional side of things. And I want to give you a summary of some of the main things that I've learned over the past six months at work and in my personal life. These are changes I've made in my life and they have been incredibly positive. So my hope is that by sharing this with you, you can learn something from it too and implement it into your personal life and or your professional life and see some positive benefits as well. Okay. So I've written seven things down on my list, seven things that I've changed radically over the past seven months. I'm sorry, six months. And there have been three major keys that have, that have allowed these seven things to happen. Let's start with the seven things. The seven major changes in my life are the following. I'm way more clear on my professional and financial goals. Number two, I've decided to improve my sense of style, my dressing, my wardrobe, let's call it. Just the casual side of things, not professional wear, not yet, but just the day-to-day clothes I wear, casual clothes. I don't want to be a fashionista. I just want to pay a little bit more attention. Maybe people won't even notice, to be honest, but I'll notice. I'll know that, yes, I'm wearing that shirt because I chose that shirt. I know why I'm wearing that shirt. I understand how it works on my body. Yes, I'm wearing those jeans for this reason, so on and so forth. So that's something I've decided to do. And that's a big change for me. Something I've never said out loud publicly, at least I don't think. It's not a big secret. I've just never said it. Is I've always, for my whole life, seemingly my whole life, had a great amount of disdain for dressing well. As a kid, I hated it. I don't know why. Probably because I didn't like buttons and how nice clothes would often feel. They weren't always comfy and such. I didn't like it there. I didn't like when I worked in the school recently. As you guys know, I had to dress with button-up shirts and things like that. Didn't like that. I never liked fashion. 
and it was it went much further than didn't like growing up i had a great amount of disdain and strong dislike for it and so that's a huge change in my world to go you know what i'm actually going to make an effort a little bit of an effort to have a little bit of a sense of style get some basics down uh, instead of just having no clue what i'm doing it's a big change change number 3 is i've been reading way more you guys know this reading a lot recently most recently, like right now, I'm reading Kevin Hart's book. It's a great book, by the way. Uh, amazing book. Really enjoying it. Uh, change number four is I'm journaling way more. I've journaled for about 12 years, maybe a little more than that. Uh, but I've been taking journaling far more seriously than I used to. Change number five, I've been meditating daily. I've meditated for the past 25 years, something like that. But I'm being diligent with meditating now. It's daily. Every single day, seven days a week, I'm meditating. Change number six is I've decided to expand my circle, my, my social circle, and introduce different types of people into my life. Change number seven is I've decided to improve upon weaknesses I forever avoided. For example, uh, I've avoided since the age of five to learn how to swim. Here we are 25 years later. I've now decided it's time to learn how to swim. And change number eight, I think initially I said there were seven changes, but there are actually eight. Um, change number eight is I'm far more serious about my physical fitness now than I used to be. I've been focused on trying to improve my health since 2016. I've been punting my physical fitness a little bit too much and half-assing it. And as you guys know, maybe five or six podcast episodes ago, I told you I've decided to stop half-assing things. So... Uh, probably for the past three months, uh, something like that, I've stopped, maybe a little less than that, actually. I've stopped half-assing my physical fitness. So that's great. Really happy about that. Now, how did these eight changes come about? That's the key thing, because these are major changes. These are, for me, big, 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 big changes. I do not feel like the same person today, even if I looked at myself two months ago, I'm not the same person today. I'm a completely different person. How did this happen? And I feel way better about it, by the way. How did this happen? There's been three keys. Reading, writing, meditation. I'll say them again. Reading, writing, meditation. Let's start with reading. It's the easiest one to break down. Reading is reading. I've been reading a lot more. Initially, I was reading research studies. Remember uh, maybe back in April? Uh, I was talking about, my voice might get a little bit quieter. I just changed my microphone position. Hopefully you still hear me. Uh, back in April, you guys know I was reading research studies about the benefits of reading and writing on the brain and the body. So that was when the reading started. And then I started to read books. I mean, I read the a good chunk of the Gulag Archipelago. I read uh, Crime and Punishment. I didn't particularly enjoy the book, but I did finish the book. Um... I just finished uh, 12 More Rules for Life. Or sorry, Beyond Order. I think it's called Beyond Order, 12 More Rules for Life, a book by Jordan, Dr. Jordan Peterson. And right now I'm reading uh, Kevin Hart's book. It's called, oh God, it's on the tip of my tongue. You Can't Make This Up. I think that's the name of the book. Really interesting book. Highly recommend it, by the way. Kevin Hart's had a crazy life. So I've been reading a lot more, and I think when you read more, it introduces new ideas, ideas into your into your brain, in a much more diff, in a much different way, at least in my experience, than listening to podcasts or watching YouTube videos, things of that nature. 
something that's different about reading than listening or watching. Additionally, I have been reading content that maybe I wouldn't have consumed otherwise in video or podcast form. So I'm reading Kevin Hart's book. I would have never picked up Kevin Hart's book. Sometimes I watch his comedy specials or things like that. I would have never picked up the guy's book, though. Or Crime and Punishment. That's not a book I would have typically read. Reading research studies. Not a thing I typically would have done. So I think there's something about reading things I wouldn't typically read. And that's introduced new ideas into my brain, which has led to personal and professional transformation. Because you get introduced to new ideas you had never seen before or never considered before. Let's move on to uh, let's move on to the writing side of things. So I journal, and someone today I met a guy at an event that I went to today, and he asked me, "How do you journal? Like, what do you write?" Because he was telling me how he was experiencing a lot of mental health challenges. He was depressed. He was sad. His girlfriend had broken up with him. There was COVID happening. His work. He was working from home. He wasn't seeing his coworkers. Couldn't leave the house. Couldn't go to social events you know, that's rough. And uh, he read somewhere online that journaling can help with that. So what he was doing is he was writing, he told me he was writing positive messages to himself, things like, you can do it, keep going. Yes, it was hard that the girlfriend broke up with you, but you can do it. I know you're lonely, but and he was trying to encourage himself. And eventually he found he didn't know what to write. And he stopped journaling, it didn't help him. So what do you journal about? Or what do I journal about? Well, for me, what I do is I basically will pick something that I'm trying to figure out in my life. My health, professional something, problem in my family, whatever it is, something that doesn't quite feel right and I want to set it right. And instead of thinking about how do I fix it, I write all my thoughts on paper. You write way slower than you actually think, so you can actually organize your thoughts way better on paper than you can in your brain. So that's what I do. And what's cool about writing is you can actually read what you wrote. You can't read the thoughts you had seven minutes ago. You don't know what you thought exactly word per word. It's gone. Thought's gone. It's out in the universe. But if you wrote it down, you can go back and read it. And when you read it, you can see flaws. What I do anyways, I look for I look for flaws in my reasoning. I look at, I read it, and I, and I try to understand, is this coherent? Does this make sense? Um, I ask myself questions while I'm writing and I'm basically thinking through a problem, but I'm doing it on paper instead of in my head. So everything I would think, I just think it on paper and I write it down. And listen, I, I take it seriously. I try to actually solve the problem. I treat it like a problem that I want to solve. And I run through different potential solutions. I think if I do that, what will happen? Ooh, that's going to happen. I don't know what'll happen. Okay, maybe that's not a good solution. Okay, X that out. Let's try something else. And sometimes I'll sit on one problem for four days. It takes a while sometimes. Um, but So this has been very beneficial for me. On a side tangent when it comes to writing, one of the best things my mom did when she raised me was she taught me how to write. Meaning she, I used to suck at writing. I couldn't do it in school. I got bad marks. Couldn't spell to save my life. Couldn't write good essays, didn't make any sense when I wrote, couldn't express myself very well. And my mom sat with me every goddamn day and helped me with it. And uh, shot me how to write. So then, you know, when I got to high school, university and such, and I would write essays, I understood the format of writing essays. And, and there's something about having the ability to write essays, which now allows me to structure my journals in a way that's actually intelligent, articulate, 
helps me potentially solve different problems I'm facing. So that's been big. So I read a lot more. I'm writing a lot more. Those have been transformational in my in my life. And then, of course, the third thing I said, meditation. Now, meditation is an interesting one because different people have different views on meditation, different ways that they do it. And, you know, there's pros and cons to different approaches and different types of meditation. Now, the form of meditation that I do is very different, as I've shared this many times, but I want to maybe explain it in a very, in a how-to way. I want to give you almost like a how-to guide because there's something there. And I don't think it's going to work what I do for meditation. I don't think it's going to work for all of you. But maybe it's worth some of you giving it a try. And maybe it's going to be very beneficial for some of you. Maybe I'm not crazy. Maybe I just do this and it works. And maybe more people just need to try it. So here's what I do. Uh, I sit down. And I close my eyes. And I basically tell my subconscious mind. Subconscious mind, you're in control. The floor is yours. And I will allow my subconscious mind to think whatever thoughts need to come in my mind. Now, the way I do it personally is I make it very visual. I don't think of it as what thoughts go through my mind. I picture it as what pictures come to mind. What movie is about to play in my mind? So I'll give you an example. Today, um, I was sitting down and doing this. And the first thing, the, I, I let my mind, whatever comes to mind, that's what happens. I let, I let that be the thing. I let that dictate it. No physical conscious control over what pops in my mind. Doesn't matter if it makes sense or not. It can be completely weird and have no logic to it. It doesn't matter. So today, first thing that popped to my mind, two great big purple eyes with long, long eyelashes. They would probably be the size, uh, maybe, uh, bigger than a house these two great purple eyes looking at me and then i looked at them they looked at me and then i said hello the eyes turned into two big butterflies and started to fly purple butterflies started to fly away it's all black around me i decide let me try and jump on the butterfly and ride the butterfly i get on the butterfly and the butterfly transforms into this kind of a weird purple snake demon type thing and I'm falling on the ground now I'm on this dark ground and it's all black around me it looks something like a cave and she goes who gave you permission to go on my back and then I look around and turns out I'm wearing rags and I'm inside this cage something like a cage for birds like a bird cage and this purple dragon thing is outside of this cage and I had this conversation with the Kate with this monster and it's a long meditation it's a long it's not really a long meditation it was probably only 20 minutes but it was a very long scene that played out in my mind. Now, you might think, well, what the heck are you doing with that kind of imagery? Well, if you've listened to the podcast, you know what I do. There's something about, there's something about the images that your brain creates. Whatever images, whatever movie plays through your mind, when you actually let it go, and you go, hey, play me something. There's, some, there's always an insight to be pulled out. Your brain doesn't show you random images for no reason. Your brain shows you things you need to see. And you don't know why you need to see it. You don't know exactly what's going on. Sometimes the message is clear, at least for me. Sometimes it's like, oh God, I see exactly what that means. And sometimes you're not really sure. And then what do I do is I think about it. I go, well, what, 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 why? Why did I see that? Of all things for my brain to create my mind to, to show me, 
why would it create two big eyes that look at me and then turn into a giant purple monster thing and butterflies and I'm in a birdcage wearing rags? Like, what is happening? I haven't figured that one out yet, to be honest. And you, you figure that out and you, and you then analyze it. Sometimes I even write about it. I go back to journaling and I journal and I go, what just happened? What could butterflies mean? Do they mean anything? Why did I have purple eyes looking at me? And I try to pull meaning away from it. And that's the form of meditation I'm doing every day for the past uh, roughly six months now. And it's been transformative. I've gotten so many insights from doing that that I wouldn't have had any other way. <clears throat> so I'll maybe give one, one example of an insight that I got very recently. And this has been a game changer. It's changed my life. I can't believe it, actually. It, this has changed my life today, which is why my mind is boggled. So uh, a couple nights ago, uh, two nights ago, I was doing a meditation. And this is a very different one. When I allowed my subconscious mind to create some imagery, it created a very, very different scene than usual. Usually I get these fantastical scenes. I'm on a beach. I'm in hell. I'm in, uh, God, I've got these purple eyes that transform into butterflies. I uh, am in front of Jesus Christ, and it's my fault that he's being crucified. And I need to, I need to forgive myself for doing that. And oh my God, these fantastical scenes. But this time is very different. It was very mundane. So I basically was in a fancy office building, really fancy office building. Glass, glass walls, and everyone's wearing nice clothes. I look down at my clothes, and I'm also wearing a sharp suit, really nice suit, tailored. Probably cost $1,000 if I had to guess. And I walk in, walk into this office. There's a receptionist on the main floor. Huge building, by the way. Reception goes, hello, how may I help you? And I said, I've got, a, I've got an appointment with, uh, I think it was Mr. Peterson. I can't remember the name anymore, but it's not relevant. Let's call him Mr. Peterson. Um, I've got a meeting uh, appointment with uh, Mr. Peterson today. She goes, yes, come on up with me. She escorts me to the elevator, gorgeous elevator. We make small talk. She's dressed in very nice professional clothing, offers me some coffee. We get to this top floor, exit the elevator. And there's another receptionist who takes over from there because it's a fancy building. So there's different receptionists for different floors and stuff. She goes, hello, Mr. Raju. Uh, uh, welcome, welcome. Come on in. Mr. Peterson will be with you shortly. Would you like us, Would you like something to drink? Should I serve you in, shall I serve you any refreshments? I said, no, thank you, but, but I appreciate the offer. Mr. Peterson comes out wearing a weird white suit. He's making a fashion statement with that suit. Let me tell you, I don't know why Mr. Peterson's wearing that white suit. He goes, hello, Azarin, how's it going? Hey, Mr. Peterson, nice to see you. We hug it out, go to his office, real swanky, all sorts of abstract art around the art around the office, uh, comfy chairs, nice white table that, in my opinion, clashed with the man's suit. Like, good Lord, what's he wearing a white suit for? I even asked him, I was like, what are you doing with a white suit? He's like, hey, man, my fashion, making a little statement. I was like, all right, all right, sounds good, Mr. Peterson. What's that? Sounds good. And in this dream, not dream, but this meditation, uh, Mr. Peterson and I were uh, partnering on some kind of uh, some kind of business deal. And it seemed more philanthropic than it did profit-oriented because we were talking about a, him closing a deal with, uh, I think it was called Sinova uh, or something. I can't remember. He made closed a deal that with some other company. It was a $1.2 billion deal. 
And the reason he was so excited, and I was excited too, because I was a partner in this whole venture, I was one of the people involved. Well, the reason I was so excited was because, uh, and he was excited too, was that this meant that there was one city that this $1.2 billion, because of this deal that we closed, the city would be fed for the rest of eternity, or rather for hundreds, a hundred plus years. The, the city that, there's a city, I don't know what city it was, he didn't specify, would never have to go hungry for a long time due to this deal that we were able to close. And we were super happy, we were thrilled about it, and uh, that was the end of the, that was the end of the, uh, the meditation. Now you might think, well, wow, that's kind of different. What's the meaning there? And I was stumped. I was like, I don't know what the meaning in that is. I, I, I couldn't, for the life of me, figure it out. And then today is where I figured it out. It happened. I figured it out in an embodied sense. I didn't figure it out intellectually until after. And, but it, was, it happened in an embodied sense. I had a couple of events today. One was a networking group that I co-host, a business networking group for business owners. And the other one was more of a casual event with a kind of a larger group of people. A lot of them I didn't really know. I knew some of them, but not most of them. And uh, I realized what I, I realized what happened. I was like, ah, you know, that guy in that in my in that meditation, that version of me, wearing a thousand dollar suit. Like, good lord, that's expensive. Like, what? Um, he was a class act. He's a class act. Dresses well, speaks well respectful, highly, very successful, um, philanthropic, generous, helping people out, $1.2 billion contract to feed a city. It wasn't like a profit thing, like, woohoo, we made money. It was like, we helped the city out, but clearly I'm doing well, because I could tell in that kind of dreamscape or whatever, clearly I'm doing well, like I'm doing well for myself too. I thought, that guy's a class act. Look at him. Look at how he behaves. Look at how he carries himself. You know, that's something to emulate. You know, I think the purpose of that was to show me, hey, Azrin, be a class act, you know? Treat people well, speak well, look them in the eye, be respectful, generous, kind, get there early, be a little bit, cla not classy, but be a class act. And it changed the whole goddamn day today. It changed my whole day. You wouldn't believe how good the day was. I mean, I, uh... I had way better conversations with people than I typically would. I communicated far better, way better than I typically would. I made genuine connections with so many more people today. I got this, I went a great conversation with a senior today, kind of a 50-ish year old man. Something Is that a senior? 50? Is that senior? Doesn't matter. 50-ish year old man. That's not a senior. 50-ish year old man. <laughs> Sorry. Got a great conversation with him. We had a great conversation about business. I love talking about business with people. It's a lot of fun for me. Got his number. We're going to grab coffee later. I, got a, I, I, I like the guy, guy a lot. He liked me a lot too. I, uh, there were, uh, there's a couple I met today as well, Nicole and Tom. You know, also great. Wow, what a wonderful conversation. We hit it off. We're going to go get vegan street tacos <laughs> later. Um, people were walking up to me to talk to me, which was interesting. Like, people were coming to me like, hey, I wanted to come say hello and talk to me. I was like, what the heck is going on? Like, this is different. People don't walk up to me to talk to me at events. I would walk up to other people, too, and introduce myself. But people came up to me, 
people were approaching me and I was like, this is different. This doesn't happen usually. What is happening? Um, so that was different. Now, when I run my own events, yeah, people, people come up to me, but this is not my own event. This is someone else's. So that was really cool. Uh, I, uh, something else happened. I'm going to keep it personal, but there's something else that happened that was amazing. I couldn't believe it happened first time in like five years, something like that, maybe more. Could not believe it. I'll keep personal what it was, but I was baffled, like absolutely baffled. And that was something that came from meditation. So I came home and I thought like, I've never had a day that quite went that way. Wow. I was driving home and I, I was driving home and thinking about how I behaved because I behaved quite differently throughout the day. Couldn't believe it. So my life has changed a lot in six months, like dramatically. And again, as a summary, the three things I've been doing, meditating, and it's been that one specific form of meditation, this highly imagery-oriented visual meditation, no holds bars, let your subconscious go and then analyze. Sometimes it happens in the actual dreamscape, you realize what the point of the dream is. And sometimes it takes, you got to analyze it after and try and pick it apart and figure it out. So these very visual meditations, writing journals, writing down my thoughts to try and solve different problems and make things right in my life. And then of course, reading, particularly reading things that maybe I wouldn't have read otherwise. Three big, 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 big changes in my, three, three things I've been doing that have led to major changes. And I'm excited to see where I am in another six months. Who knows? Maybe I'm on the wrong path. Who the hell knows? But boy, is it an exciting adventure right now. I'm curious to see how much my business grows. That's the thing I'm curious about. I've seen a lot of personal growth, professional growth as well. Um, business is doing as well as, you know, well as always, but I'm curious now. I'm, I'm really curious to see if my, I want to see if I, my business grows a lot more than it used to. I'm curious to see if instead of growing by 20% a year, 15% a year, 25% a year, things like that. I'm curious to see if this year I grow by like 40% and next year's like 200%. And it's like, what the hell just happened? Something I would not be shocked. It might not happen. We'll see. I've learned a last little point then we'll wrap the podcast up. Um, I've learned recently as well that <clears throat> while you are in control in your life, of your life, excuse me, you are in control of your life. There's so much you're just not in control of. You, you have a problem in area A of your life. You solve another problem that is no connection to problem A and problem A also resolves itself. Or the pathway you think you have to walk is not the pathway you really have to walk. You think you got to turn left, but you actually got to turn right. And you didn't know it, and you just do, and then you're like, oh, it's weird how that played out. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of moving parts to life, and you're not in control of everything. You're riding some kind of a wave, in a sense, and you're trying to ride it the best you can. And so sometimes there just aren't, there's things that just aren't really in the cards at the moment. So it's funny how those kinds of things play out. There's been so many changes I would have never thought would have happened over the past six months. I would have never guessed six months ago. Um, and so I'm, I'm just curious, you know, I'm curious to see where this plays out. I'm enjoying this big game of life. Anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I definitely enjoyed recording it. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And uh, as always, I'll see you next time. Bye for now.